0: Good morning. morning. <laughs> we have Some announcements. We're not feeding the homeless this Wednesday because it's the last Wednesday of the month, but we'll start again. this the first Wednesday in October. If you wanna go, let me know.
1: Don't wear
0: sandals. Don't wear sandals. Be careful where you're stepping. So we go out and feed the homeless. We take those, those grocery bags and we just fill them up with food and water and then go out to the camps where they're at and meet them where they're at and bring them food and water and pray with them and just love on them, get to know them um, and let them know they're not forgotten that God still loves them and cares for them. Um, So we do that, like I say, on Wednesdays, except for this Wednesday, because it's the last Wednesday of the month and the food bank is closed. The next women's study is going to be October 20th because the first week, the first Thursday in October when we normally do it, we have a conference, which everybody's welcome to go to, the Refresh Conference, it's up at Calvary Aurora. Um, It's just a good time to recharge, refresh, learn more about God. Go through some Bible studies, some worship time, and just, it's time of encouragement. So, so we'll be at that, so there'll be no women's study um, the first Thursday of the month. So, it'll be Thursday, October 20th at 6 p.m. The next men's study is going to be this Saturday, October 1st, which is crazy to think that we're already in October this week. (laughs) So, it'll be at 9 a.m. at down at starbucks parker and hess the next youth night is thursday october 13th 6 p.m here at the house we're going through the chosen just watching the chosen and then talk through how that relates to what we're going through in life and what does the bible say about maybe the episode we just watched but i just like the the show the chosen it makes jesus more relatable in my mind you agree? Sure. Uh, the race, there's a 5K run, walk, fun run, uh, and all of the proceeds from that benefit Alterni- Alternatives Pregnancy Center, that's going to be October 22nd in Elizabeth, um, and it's going to be at the Harvest Bible Church, they're right next to Running Creek Elementary. So if you want to sign up to walk or run in it. Um, you have to go online. Um, I don't have the website up there. I probably should, huh? But if you want the website, I can email that to you. I'll put that in the weekly email. Yeah, I'll put the website for the race in the weekly email. That's how you sign up. Or if you just want to volunteer to help, they need volunteers too. So, See you at the pole is this Wednesday. I can see if your local school's doing it. A lot of them start at 7 a.m. We're going to be at Legacy, and that one starts at 7.30. So it's just a time for students to get together to pray and pray for their nation, pray for their school, pray for whatever's on their heart. Um, so we'll be doing that this Wednesday. We're excited about that. And then sign up for email updates. we we'll just send out a weekly email so you kind of know what's going on for the week and... List of the teachings on there and the website that's um, got our calendar on the website so if you ever want to know what's going on it's right there so with that we're gonna be in Romans chapter 10 today but first let's pray dear father I just thank you for this day I thank you to be able to come together to worship you to learn more about who you are about your love for us about um, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, that you are, are always for us, that you, you love us so much You sent your son to take our place, the place that we couldn't take. And we're going to learn more about that today. And I just thank you for, for this book, the book of Romans, that you, you give us this foundation of what it means to be a Christian, of who you are, of who Jesus is, of how that relates in our lives. I just ask that your words be spoken today that you would speak to our hearts that you would draw us closer to you that it would be your words not mine and just ask that you would meet each one of us right where we're at you know our thoughts you know our desires you know what we're going through that you would come alongside us that you would encourage us that you would comfort us that you would um, just show us your love and that we would hear that through your words today it's in jesus name i pray amen so, we'll be in Romans chapter 10, and I think we'll get through the whole chapter in one sitting, which is kind of exciting. So, Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. So, when we finished up last week in Romans 9, Paul was talking about the Jews, um, God's chosen people, and we looked at that, and that. Um, God chose them, not because they were anything special, but God chose them just because he chose them. And because his power and his might could be best seen through them. And what their job was, was their job was to point the whole world to Jesus, to show the world who Jesus was. But they chose not to, they chose to reject him. So God opened it up to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world and said, okay, you'll show people who Jesus is. You'll take my message and, and spread it throughout the world. But we'll learn today that, that it's not just people that spread God's message, that God is spreading his own message. And we'll get to see that. But Paul still has this heart for the, for the Jewish people, and we're about to read that. And, and we're to have a heart for them too. These are God's chosen people. The nation of Israel is, is God's chosen people. Um, no other nation has been persecuted like they have um, and still maintained their their religion, their language, their, um, their ethnicity, who they are, no other people group has been spread, um, persecuted and spread across the world like they have and still maintained all of that. Um, so that to me speaks of, of God's hand in their lives and, and who they are, they, they are God's chosen people and that he's not done with them. And we went over this last week, there's not this idea that God has replaced the nation of Israel with the church. And who is the church? The church is all of Jesus' believers. The church as a whole, God has not replaced the nation of Israel with the church by any means. God still has a plan and a purpose for the nation of Israel, just like he has a plan and a purpose for his church and for us. So with that, we'll start in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. So dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart And my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. So he says his heart is for them that, that he wants them to be saved, you know, Earlier we read that Paul said he'd be willing to give up his own salvation if, if that would bring them to Jesus, if that would bring them to, to salvation for themselves, which it doesn't work that way, and Paul wasn't saying it literally. He was being, um, using it as a metaphor of how much his heart is for them, and here we read that again, that his heart is for them. Uh, but they have this enthusiasm, this misdirected zeal. They're very zealous for God, but they want to do it on their own terms, and that's not how it works. We come to God on his terms. He's the one that set this up. He's the one that created everything. We're to, to come to him. And the way we come to him is through belief in him and belief in his son. And that's it. It's that simple. If you do that, you are saved. And we're going to get to read through that today, which is probably one of my favorite areas of the Bible. There's many favorite areas I have, and this is one of them. So, so but we too are also to to have a heart for the nation of Israel, to have a heart for the Jewish people. Um, and we're going to read through a few verses here. You don't have to go to them. We're going to go through quite a few verses um, and just look and see what does God say about this. What does God say about the nation of Israel? When the nation of Israel got started with Abraham. They consider him the father of the nation of Israel. But here in Genesis twelve three. God is speaking to Abraham and he says, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's God promising Abraham that. Abraham, the the father of the Israelite nation or of the Jewish people. And then again, we read in Genesis 27, verse 29. May many nations become your servants and may they bow down to you may you be the master over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you all who curse you will be cursed and all who bless you will be blessed so that was god or that was isaac giving a blessing to jacob so you had abraham who was the father of the israelite nation and then his son isaac the son of the promise and then Isaac's son, were Jacob and Esau, who we read about a few weeks ago. And, and this is Isaac in Genesis 27, 29. Isaac is giving this blessing to Jacob. And then in Numbers. So, so far we've read that this blessing sounds like it's for Abraham or for Jacob. But it's really for the nation of Israel. And if there's any question on that in Numbers chapter 24, verse 9, God clears that up. Like a lion... Israel crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to arouse her. Blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel, and cursed is everyone who curses you. So we read in three different places where God has made it clear. Blessed are those who bless the nation of Israel and cursed are those who curse the nation of Israel. So these are God's chosen people and we are to bless them. And there's different ways that we can bless them. We can bless them we can pray for them. Um, we can um, go and visit Israel, you know, bless them with some tourism, with um, taking our, our time and our our money there. Um, but we can also bless them by by how we speak of them. You know, lots of people speak harshly on the nation of Israel um, and how we choose to speak of them is, is how we re- get to reflect God's care and his love for us. Now, this doesn't mean that we line up with all the, the things that the nation of Israel has done. They're still led by men and all men are sinful. So they don't always make the right decisions, but we're not aligning ourselves with what they do politically. We're aligning ourselves with what God says. And then we're to pray for them, pray for blessings on them that, um, in whatever ways God puts on our heart, we should have a heart for, for Israel, because He has a heart for them. They are still God's chosen people. But we read that in Genesis 12:3, we read through that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So I want to expand on that one just a little bit more. And what does that mean? And there's a few other verses that, that make that clear. So Genesis 12.3, where God's speaking to Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. We read that again in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18. Again, God is speaking to Abraham um, that through you, through your descendants, all the nation of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Um, This is when Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. Right. And God provides another sacrifice, provides a ram that because of his obedience, all the nations will be blessed. And then again, in Genesis 26, verse four, I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will give them all these lands and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So each time that we've read all three of these verses, it's God speaking to Abram, who later becomes Abraham, the second verse, God speaking to Abraham, and the third verse is God speaking to Isaac, and he's telling them all that through your nation, through the nation of Israel, God will bless the entire earth, Um, and what that means, let's take a look at that, and we'll find some different places in the New Testament that the We'll speak more into this, and the first one is in Acts chapter three, verse twenty-four. So Acts chapter three, verse twenty-four. This is um, this takes place in the temple. Peter has just healed um, this lame man who's been lame since birth and um, crippled, couldn't walk, and and he's begging at the temple door, and and Peter walks by him and. And the man is expecting Peter to, to bless him with some money. To Peter says, "Gold and silver, I don't, but this I do have." In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And that, of course, got lots of people's attention. This man that they all knew had been had been uh, crippled all of his life, is now standing up, walking. So there's a lot of excitement. Lots of people are coming around. And Paul, or I'm sorry, and Peter uses this time to point people to Jesus, to point these Jewish believers. Um, to to Jesus, um, who He is, and that's what we're going to read here in Acts three twenty four through twenty six. So, starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants. All the families on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. So how does God how is God going to bless the whole world? He's going to bless the whole world through the nation of Israel, because he's going to bring his son into this earth through the nation of Israel. Jesus would be born a Jew, would be an Israelite. And through that nation, he would bless the whole world. That Jesus would be our Savior. When we put our faith and our trust in him, that we are saved. And that's a huge blessing to us and to anyone else in the world who believes in Jesus. So that's how God, that's what God meant when he said, I'm going to bless the entire world through your nation. And again, we'll go to, to Galatians 3, verse 8 and expand on this just a little bit more. So what's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all the nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So here we read that all the nations will be blessed through you and that blessing is that God brought Jesus through the nation of Israel Jesus his son into this earth because because we needed a savior we have found ourselves in a place that we can't pay the debt that we owe that we all fall short of God's glorious standards we've all sinned in our lives and that we need a savior we need someone who can pay that price for that sin. And that person is Jesus. We've been over this, that there's no sin that he won't forgive, no sin too great, that he forgives them all, that he's nailed all those sins to the cross when he was crucified. He's taken all those sins away. That when we ask for forgiveness, he, (laughs) when we ask for forgiveness, (laughs) he doesn't just forgive us, but he removes that from our record. He no longer holds that sin over us. He doesn't even bring it up ever again. Not like when I get mad at Shannon and I forgive her. But if I get mad enough again, I'm going to bring it up. No, it's not like that. God forgives and never brings it up again. Never holds it over our head. So. And here God promises to bless those who bless you. You get to share. Look at verse 9. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So we get to be a blessing to those around us and we get to choose to reflect that light. Jesus is the light of the world and we can reflect that light to the world around us. We can choose to live the way that he lived. He didn't live a selfish life, he lived a selfless life. He served others selflessly. That We're told we can deny ourselves, we can pick up our cross and follow Jesus and that's how we're to live our lives. That is it's not about us, It's about him. When we realize how much he's done for us, how can we ever repay that? How can we ever repay that gift of eternal life, that um, freedom from sin? And then the only way we can repay it is with with our own lives, with being a light and a witness to him, to serving him. So um, again, it was through the the nation of Israel, through the Jews, that God brought his son into the world. Um, And not because they were some pure bloodline or, or because they had great attributes just because he chose them. And to expand on that a little bit further, we'll go to Matthew chapter one, verse five. So Matthew starts off his gospel account with a genealogy, with a, who was the family line of Jesus. And there's two different accounts of this. One is in Matthew, and that's the, the family line of Jesus starting at Abraham, starting with the, the, the founding of the nation of Israel all the way through Joseph. Um, and then in Luke, you have the, Jesus' account of, of his family line all the way from Adam all the way to his mother, to Mary. So you get to see both the family lines. God gave them both to us. But God also doesn't just give us the highlights. He also gives us the real story, the whole story. Um, and that he would bring his son through the nation of Israel wasn't because, like I said, they had pure bloodlines or, or any of that nonsense. That's not what God is saying. Or because there were this um, great people with these great attributes. No, that's not why God chose to bring his son in through this nation. And we know this because of this area of scripture right here. So when we're reading through Jesus' family tree, we'll get to here in verse 5, we read that Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. So that's interesting because Rahab was a prostitute from Jericho, not an Israelite. So not a pure Israel bloodline. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite, not an Israelite. So God chose to bring his son, the family line that he brings his son through would be through a a prostitute um, and then through a Moabite woman. So not pure Israel bloodlines, not pure Jewish bloodlines. Obadiah was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon. Whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. And again, not because they had great attributes. Here we get to see some very not so good attributes. So King David, as we know, had an affair with Bathsheba. And then King David murdered Uriah, her husband. So that's how God brings his son through the through. Guess how God brings his son into the world through these Jewish people, but not because they were a great people or had great attributes because he chose to bring him in this way, because this was the best way to glor- bring glory to himself, to point how merciful, how loving God is. So it's not, a, not that we can be perfect, because none of us are. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. We all fall short of perfection. But that's not what God requires. God's after our hearts. And do we have a heart for him? And each of these people we read about had a heart for him. That's what That's what David's known as. King David, even though he he made many mistakes, he was known as having a heart for God. A heart after God's own heart is what the Bible says. So God's not looking for our perfection. God's not looking for um, great attributes that we think we have. In fact, God uses our weakest attributes. And why? Because then can he have the glory. When he uses our weakest attributes, when it's things that we, I can't do this, or there's no way I could do that, then God is able to use us, because it's true. We can't do it on our own, but with him, all things are possible. Humanly speaking, many things are are impossible for us, but heavenly speaking, all things are possible for, for God and through God. So a little side trail Paul has a heart for the nation of Israel. We should too. God promises that those who bless the nation of Israel, he will bless. And those that curse the nation of Israel, he will curse. Um, And that's very much true. And that God brought his son, God blessed the entire world by bringing his son in through this nation. Not because they're great, not because um, of any good achievements they've ever had, just because God chose to. Because this is the best way for God to glorify his son. So we'll go back to Romans Chapter 10, starting in verse 4 here. So for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. So there's this big controversy with the the Jews, with the nation of Israel that they're going to keep God's law, and God has quite a few laws. And when Jesus came, he summed up all of the law. He said all the law, um, the book of the law, all of the, the commandments from the prophets, they're all summed up in two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when we love God, we love our neighbor, we love ourselves. When we do those three things, we've kept all of the law, every single one of them. So we don't have to worry about all 620 laws that are written or or however many they are. We just need to love. Love God, love everyone around us, and love ourselves. When we do that, we've kept all of God's laws. So there's a big controversy with the Jews that you have to keep the law, that that's how you become right with God. Well, no one can keep the law. No one is perfect. So they're still trying to come to God under their own terms. Well, I'm gonna do it this way, God. I'm gonna keep all your regulations, and then you're gonna owe me God. No, and that's not the way it works. One, you can't keep all of God's regulations. He is perfect and we are not. And that's why we need this savior. That's why we needed Jesus to come into the world where the Gentiles, who are anyone that's not Jewish, the rest of the world have come to receive that, have come to receive Jesus as their savior. So they're coming to God under God's terms. And that's what God's terms are. That when you receive his son as God, that he died for your sins, that he lived a sinless life, that death can not hold him, that he was raised from the dead, you are saved. When you believe in Jesus, when you believe God, you are saved. And that's God's terms. And that's all he requires. He doesn't require us to clean up our lives, to get things right, to go um, do anything else other than believe in his son. So, <clears throat> again, they're trying to, to keep God's, Laws, um, which none of us are capable of. But God didn't leave us hopeless. He gives us Jesus. And Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay. Um, We can't keep the law. We needed Jesus. And God was willing to sacrifice his own son because he loves us that much and he wants a relationship with each one of us. And if you think about that, who would really be willing to sacrifice anything in their lives, let alone their selves or their family where god sacrificed his own son his dearly loved son for our benefit because he loved us that much because he wants a relationship with each one of us so we'll continue on romans chapter 10 verse 6 here but faith but faith's way of getting right with god says don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring christ down to earth And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. So this is kind of an interesting area of scripture. For me, I kind of wonder, what is Paul really saying here? And what he's really quoting is from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. And in Deuteronomy 30, verse 10, this is where um, Moses is pleading with the people. This is at the end of Moses' life. Moses is the one who um, led the people out of slavery in Egypt, across the Red Sea. They've been wandering in the wilderness. Um, and now Moses is at the end of his life, and he's pleading with the people to turn their hearts back to God. And this is is what we get to read about. And this is what Paul is quoting here. That Paul's quoting what Moses said in Deuteronomy. So we'll take a look at that. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. The Lord your God will be... Let me start again. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in this book of instruction and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand, and it is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven, so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear and obey? It is not beyond the sea, so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it to us so we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart so that you can obey it." So Paul further adds to this when he says, who will go up to heaven and bring Jesus down? Jesus, the message, the, the word, the, um, our savior, so that we can hear his word and obey him. That's what we're told. If you truly love Jesus, you'll obey his commands. Paul's saying, well, who can can go up and bring Jesus down? Don't say that in your heart, that's not what it is. God's already done all the work for us. God's already sent his son for us. God's given us that gift, that all we have to do is believe, and it's not who will go down and bring Jesus back to life. God already did that also, right? God already went to the grave and rose Jesus from the dead, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, the first fruits into heaven, and that we get to follow with him, that we get that same inheritance, that God loves us so much, That when we believe in his son he gives us that eternal life in paradise with him so the message is close at hand it says um, it's on our lips and this is my favorite area that we're about to go to so we'll go back to romans and see what that message is because we read that both here in deuteronomy and in in romans verse 8 and the, the message that's so close at hand that's on our lips that it's it's so Easy. God's done all the work for us. All we have to do is receive this gift. Um, And he explains it very clearly right here. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. One of my favorite areas. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. We read that many other places. We read that last week, Romans 9, verse 33. We read it here, Romans 10, 11, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, Isaiah forty-five, seventeen, Joel, chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. When you put your trust in him, in Jesus, you will never be disgraced. The, the things of this earth, the, the, the troubles we go through here will not compare to the, the glory that we'll, we'll receive in heaven, to the eternal paradise. All the things that on this earth that have bugged us, are gonna bug us up there. All the things on this earth that were unfair to us, that w- happened to us, that shouldn't have happened, won't ever compare to the glory in heaven that we get to receive when we get to spend eternity with our God, with Jesus, with the God that loved us so much that he sent his son. It won't compare, we'll never be disgraced. All the things in this, this life that happened that people talk about us behind our back, say things that are, are mean and hurtful, um, that the disgrace us. We're promised we'll never be disgraced. How is that? How can that be? Well, God seems like a, people say all kinds of awful things about me. What do you mean here? And what he means is that, that when we're in paradise with Jesus, we'll never think about it again. It, it won't even be a thought. We're told that this life here is but a vapor, like the morning fog, here for a little while and then we're gone. And that's what it is. This, this life here is very short compared to eternity in heaven with God, eternity in paradise. Um, Jesus said that he's up there preparing a room for each of us, and I don't think it's some small room, and it's got everything in there that we've ever longed for or loved. He knows us very deeply. He knows our hearts, Um, and he's preparing that place for us right now. He knows who's going to receive him. That's how he can go and prepare it ahead of time. He knows all. We're told that our God is the God of comfort, And you think of of the the hard things that people go through in life, the hard times that we've each gone through in life, and that God is able to comfort us. Um, And how that is, how that exactly works, I can't take you to the Bible and explain that. I just believe in faith, that God says it in His Word, that He's the God of comfort, and I believe Him in His Word, that He will comfort us. And I do see that in other people's lives. People have gone through horribly traumatic things but yet find comfort in Jesus, find comfort in who he is, find comfort in the work that he's doing in their lives. And I can't explain it to you, I can't rationalize it, I just have to trust by faith that God is who he says he is, that he is the God of comfort, he is the God of hope, and his hope is not this, keep my fingers crossed, I got a 50-50 shot at this, no, his hope is a guarantee. When we put our hope in him, our trust in him, we will never be disgraced, he will save us, He will bring us into glory with him in heaven. That's a guarantee going to happen. No ifs, ands, or buts. Not a 50-50 shot. That's the God we serve. So, my favorite area of scripture by far. It just makes it so simple. If you want to be saved, if you want Jesus into your life, ask him into your life. And there's no perfect words to do that, no right or wrong words. But here it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. Another word for saved is rescued. Here, we're in this life, and we all need someone to rescue us. We're, we're drowning in the sea, and, and we need that, that life preserver, that raft, that someone to come and rescue us. And that person who rescues us is Jesus. And when we believe in him, when we trust in him, we are made right with God. And it's by confessing with our mouth, that he is God, that we are saved. So, absolutely love that because it's so simple. It's so simple for us to be saved. It's so simple for us to receive him into our lives. He's waiting for us. He's standing there. He loves us. He cares for us. He never will leave us, never abandon us. When we ask him into our lives, he never walks away. And I absolutely love that. That Even in the hard times, He never leaves, never abandons. Even when we make mistakes, he doesn't walk away from us. We talked about King David having this affair with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah. Did God ever leave David? No, God still loved David. And God gave him that chance to repent and turn back to him. And God makes it clear that David never lost his salvation, that nothing can separate God, nothing can separate David from God, nothing can separate us from God when we ask Jesus into our lives. But that we can do things, make mistakes, and God still forgives us. There's no sin he won't forgive. We've been over that, not one single one. The only sin that's unforgivable is your unbelief in Jesus, that's it. So we'll continue on here in Romans chapter 10, verse 12. So Romans 10, verse 12, Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be rescued from a certain death. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be considered a child of the one true living God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will share an inheritance with Jesus, with Christ with the son of god. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be set free from sin that enslaves them. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will have their sins washed away. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will have their sins removed from their record. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will have eternal life with God, never with the god of never-ending love. And that's what it's all about. It's all about us receiving Jesus, believing him who he says he is. And it's a simple prayer. It's a, a simple thing we just read. And, and anyone can do that. And the, and the prayer is, goes along the lines of this. God, I believe that you sent your son to die on a cross to take the place for my sins. And that you love me that much. And that I want you to come into my life, Jesus. I want to know you more. And when you pray that, you are saved. That's it. It's that simple. We read about the, the two men that were crucified with Jesus that day on the cross. And the one mocked him. If you're really the son of God, save yourself. And while you're at it, save us too. And the other one said, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. And that was his prayer. That was the prayer of salvation. No right words, but he recognized Jesus as God. And he said, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And what did Jesus tell him? Today, you will be with me in paradise. So, you can be rest assured that when you ask him into your life, he never leaves you, never abandons you, and that you are saved. You have been rescued from this life here on earth, this life of trouble and toil. It doesn't mean that you won't have troubles and trials in life. In fact, we're even promised that. We'll continue to have those. But God is also the God of peace. And his peace, the peace that Jesus offers is in the peace of this world. The peace of this world is this absence of conflict, right? When there's no conflict, then there's peace. No, that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says the peace that he gives is not like the peace of the world. The, the peace that he gives is that we can go through those conflict, those troubled times with a peace that only he can provide us. So it's not absence of conflict. It's not this worldly peace. It's that there will be conflict and trouble in this world. And, and how do we know that? Because there's sin in this world. There's evil in this world. And that God promises us that when we receive Him, that He gives us this peace, this peace to go through these troubled times of this world, and that when we make it through to the other side, all the Paul says all these troubles in life don't even nothing in comparison to the glory that you'll get in heaven, to the eternal life with Him, with Jesus. So we'll continue on here. Romans Chapter 10, verse 14. So all through the book of Romans, Paul's been laying this very firm foundation of who God is, how much he loves us, and all these misconceptions that people have about God. And Paul's been knocking them down one by one. And here's another one that he's going to knock down. So Romans chapter 10, verse 14. But how can they call on him, Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So that last sentence there, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news? It does not say how beautiful are the feet of human messengers who bring good news. It's not only us that can bring the good news. God absolutely wants to use us, but doesn't need us. God can have his will accomplished without us. But the amazing thing is that he wants to use us and that we can choose to be used by God. And we can be those messengers. We can share the good news, this work that Jesus has done in our lives with those around us. We can be that light and that witness. But it's not just through human feet or that God's will is accomplished. And uh, I have a little video clip that we'll watch. So hopefully this works. Um, and it's one of the things that my brother challenged me with is how can you serve this God or believe in this God? And he creates these people that they never hear about him. So they never have the opportunity to be saved. Right. And, and God makes it clear. How can they call on Jesus unless they believe that he is God? Um, how can they believe that he is God if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him if someone never tells them, right? So, so we read that up there, and all that is absolutely true. But it's not up to the human understanding of how this works. So let me see if I can play this video clip. So this is a, a political analyst. This is not a, a pastor or, or religious leader by any means. A political analyst that's giving a, a news report and we'll just catch the very end of this news report here.
1: They claim that the reason that Muslims convert, or at least a substantial number of them convert, is that they have dreams and visions of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a little bit far out, but apparently an Iranian convert, this guy's fairly typical, he said, well, many people are having dreams and visions about a shining man dressed in white telling them about Jesus. The leader of a Presbyterian church in Pakistan said that there were some Afghan uh, imams who traveled hundreds of miles to study the Bible and when he was asked, well, why are they doing that? He goes, quote, dreams. Christ appeared to them in their sleep. Um, and then um, a Colorado pastor who conducts classes in Arabic by the radio and the internet, he goes, virtually all my students came following dreams, following dreams. There's a missionary named Michael uh, Stallworth, and he is a missionary in Frankfurt, and he said a veiled woman came up to him. He thought it was a beggar. He was about to give her money. But she goes, oh, Are you the Imam? And uh, he said, Well, I'm not an Imam, but I am the pastor of this church. And she said, uh, Well, in that case, you are the right man. God has commanded me in a dream to go to the big church on the market square and ask for the Imam, meaning the priest, to tell me the truth. So I think what I find fascinating about all this is that these people who are having dreams now, Christ is a prophet in Islam, he's is called Isa. But interestingly, in these dreams, these Muslims are getting the clear idea that it's not Isa, uh, that it's in fact the Christian Christ that they need to be following, and following through the mechanism of the Christian Bible and the Christian church. It's a little bit hard to know what to make about this, but I think it's thrilling for us as Christians to see that Muslims, who are the hardest people in the world to convert Muslim, Islam hasn't really lost the force of its original uh, revelation. I don't entirely know what to make about these strange visitations and dreams, but they seem to be real enough to the people who have them to suggest at least the possibility that God is doing some remarkable work in the world through Muslims pointing them to Christianity.
0: So like I said, he is a political analyst. He's given a news report um, and most of his podcasts, focus, while well, every other podcast of his that I saw focuses on politics, not on religion. He's just giving this news report in his podcast. Um, but this is the same, you can read about many other stories um, about this, where Jesus himself is visiting these Muslim people in their dreams. So how beautiful are the feet of messengers? Well, how beautiful are the feet of Jesus himself who goes and visits these people. So there is no people group. There is no person here on this earth that doesn't know who Jesus is. And even if there's no human feet that went to them, then God himself has revealed himself to them. So I don't know about you, but for me, I get to hear about Jesus from my parents or these people get to hear about Jesus from Jesus himself. How great is that? Kind of like Paul, when Paul is, Saul at the time, is persecuting the Christian church and, and Jesus meets him on the road and, and blinds him and, and shows him exactly who he is. You know, how amazing would that be? So this idea that God creates people in this hopeless state and, and never reveals himself to them is untrue. Um, and we can see that here in our modern, our modern day, that, that God has made himself known to everyone that he doesn't, didn't create anyone without the opportunity of knowing him, giving them every opportunity that he's created them, put them in the situation they're in, the place they're in, all the things that have gone on, all to give them every opportunity to reach out to him. And sometimes that is through troubled times, through hard times that we go through. And it's hard to explain, but God does allow those hard times so that we can turn to him, that we can reach out to him, that we can ask for him to help us ask for him into our lives and and that yes makes those hard times i would say worth it even though it's un, hard to fathom hard to to wrap my brain around that god would allow that to happen but if he allowed those tough times to happen and that people reached out to him during those times that it was all worth it that this brief moment of life that we have compared to all of eternity being saved God allowed this brief time of, of trouble in our lives, but we get to spend all of eternity with him because he pointed us to him. Absolutely amazing. So to continue on here um, in Romans, chapter 10, verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So Paul right here is quoting from Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 53. And we're gonna go and take a look at that because that's gonna tie in to verse 18 here in Romans. So Isaiah chapter 53, and we'll look at the, the first nine verses here. So this is Isaiah the prophet speaking. This is in the Old Testament, long before the life of Jesus. Um, and Isaiah is speaking, um, giving this prophetic word. A lot of the, the Bible is prophecy, um, a foretelling of what's going to happen. And that's how you know that God is the, the all-knowing, all, all-powerful, almighty God, that he can tell you what's going to happen long before it ever happens. So we're going to read Isaiah. This is long, long before Jesus was ever born um, that this was written. And you'll have to decide for yourself of who this is speaking about. So Isaiah... Chapter 53, starting in verse one. Who has believed our message? To whom the Lord reveals revealed his powerful arm. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, antiquated with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his own troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins for us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave." So reading through that, I think it's pretty obvious who the prophet Isaiah is speaking about. He's speaking about Jesus. You can see all throughout that, that he's pointing to Jesus. Um, This is a perfect description of Jesus and what was going to happen to him. Um, But the Jews are, and the Jews know this area of scripture very well. They know the book of Isaiah very well. But they're no different than we are today. People today will pick and choose which part of the Bible they want to believe. I'll believe this, but I don't know about that. You know, and that's what the Jews are doing. So here, instead of believing this area of Scripture of what their Messiah would look like, they want to to believe the area of Scripture that talks about a conquering King. But they don't want to realize that He's going to come twice. He's going to come once as a as a sheep led to the slaughter, as a sacrifice for our sins. And then again, the second time is a conquering king. And there's no doubt about it. Jesus is coming again and he will be that conquering king. But they didn't want to see that. They wanted to see, they didn't want to see the, the lamb led to the slaughter. They wanted to see this conquering king. They took one verse and made a doctrine out of it. And we've been over this. That's so dangerous that you take one verse of the Bible and you make this doctrine, this, this is how it is. This is what God's saying. No, no, no. When we look at the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, when they look at the whole Old Testament, from Genesis to, to Malachi, when they're looking at the whole Old Testament, God makes it very clear who He is, right? We don't take one area of Scripture and, and and claim this is who God is or this is what God wants. No, no. We look at the whole thing, the whole counsel of God's Word. And the the Israelites are doing the same thing. So. The Israelites, the Jewish people, have read through this area of Isaiah. They know this area of Isaiah. And that's what Paul's going to point us to here when we go back to Romans. So Romans 10, 18. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. And we got to see that. The words have gone to all the world. But I ask... Did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. So again, God spoke in a prophetic word of how this is going to take place, how this is all going to play out. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by a people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. And even though they're disobedient and rebellious, God still loves them. Um, Just as God still loves us when we fall short. And I thank you, God, for being that long-suffering with me, for not... um, for not just being done with me when I fall short, um, when I choose to live the first 30 years of my life apart from you um, in my own sinful desires. I'm so thankful that you didn't just be done with me then, that you were long suffering, that you were patient, that you were kind, that you were waiting for me to receive you into my life. And that that's the same for all of us, that he gives us that, all of us, that opportunity that we can receive him into our lives. And that he allows these tough times that we go through, these hard times, that we can be pointed to him. That we can put our faith and our trust in him. That he has this all planned out from the beginning to end. And that all he really desires is for us to come to know him. That's his desire of his heart, is that we would receive him. That we would want to have a relationship with him. And that's what it is. That's what prayer is. That's what it all is. It's having that relationship with God. So, with that, that's all we got. Any questions? No. Kennedy's not here. Kennedy's not here. No questions for Kennedy. So
1: I and I and so I always for me I've always had questions, but like Gentiles, that's us, right? Yeah. Jews is the Jewish nation. So Gentiles are pretty much anyone that's not Jewish. Yep. Anyone. Everyone
0: else. Yep. So even Islamic. Yep, so there's two. Gentiles. Yep.
1: But why do the Islamic people call us, what do we call the Islamic people call us
0: Christians? Well, there's different, everybody has different names, but as far as the Bible goes, there's two people groups. There's the Jews, and then there's the Gentiles, the rest of the world. And you can be, you can be a Gentile who who, who goes into the, the nation. And you can be a proselyte Jew, they call it, but you're still a a Gentile. Just like, if we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, now there's two things. There's believers and unbelievers, right? right? That's it. Um, And there's all different groups inside of that. But so when it refers to the Jewish nation, you have the the Jews or the Israelites, the nation of Israel. And then you have the rest of the world and the rest of the world is Gentiles, everyone else. And that's what God's saying. That came to this people who aren't even a nation. This other group of people right. that weren't even which calling for Which was us.
1: Which was everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was he he was leading the Jewish people and they just kept being naughty.
0: <laughs> yeah, they kept worship Rebellion. rejecting him and, and worshiping but he still their idols. Them, and still... Yep. And he still has a plan for them. Yep. He hasn't abandoned them.
1: Well, so. The other thing that no, no, I don't know, I could be wrong. There's truly a the true Jewish nation. There's right. There. Just because Infos. you decided, yeah, just because That's you decided I, I don't want to be Jewish. Doesn't mean that you are of that Jewish. Explaining. Yeah, I uh-huh. David talked about it a long time ago because I was like, well, I know a lot of people that are Jewish. Well, they would be considered converted, burned. yeah. Converted. They converted that's to Judaism. I that, right? and but even, Judaism, but even but even then,
0: that's a religion. That's so a That's a, religion. a proselyte Jew, but they, they're still from this content considered right. a Gentile. So
1: they converted to Judaism, so they're still Gentiles. Yeah. Right, just like you would say I converted to Catholicism and I have a plan, yeah. right? Yeah, This is
0: referring not necessarily to a religion this is referring or to the to nation of Israel nation. to the yeah, yeah. their bloodlines which aren't a pure perfect bloodline Correct. we got to see that so God that is, brought other people in Yeah,
1: I was thinking of the word infidel because yeah. they <laughs> are right. because we're going to have to get out of here well let's pray rush yes. but we do need to pray and I'm so
0: that's one of my favorite Bible it is it's mine too I love that area Mm -hmm. it just makes it very simple God I just thank you for this time to, to come together to learn more about you to learn just how simply you love us and how simple it is to receive you that no strings attached no um something hidden behind the curtain and it's just very simple Jesus when we ask you into our lives, you come in and you never leave. And when we ask you into our lives, we're saved. We're rescued from this, this life that we have here, this hopeless life that we seem to live, that you give us hope, that you give us comfort, that you give us peace, and that your way of doing things is the opposite of the world. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this world not being how life is. That life with you is, is the opposite. I'm thankful for the ways you lead us, the ways you guide us, the ways you provide for us. I just ask that you would give each one of us an opportunity to be a light and a witness to you, that we could be this light um, in a dark world, that we could reflect your light, that you love us that much, that you would allow us that opportunity, not that you need us, but you allow us to be used by you. And I ask that for each of our lives, that you would help us to be used by you, draw us closer to you each and every day. Jesus, I thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. I just ask that you would watch over this community, that you would bless it, uh, that you would open many people, many people's eyes and hearts in this community towards you, that there would be many that would turn to you in these days that we're in, that you would watch over um, the leadership of this, of our community, of our state, of our nation, that you would guide them to, to you, that they would make the decisions that you want them to make, that you would... Just open their eyes and their hearts to you. I ask you watch over the, the police departments, the sheriff's departments around us, that so you would protect them. Protect them physically, but protect them spiritually from all the evil that they see. That you would um, protect them and their families, Lord. Um, don't let the enemy lie to them or deceive them. Open their eyes and their hearts to you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Yeah. Well, well, Jason had to catch her. He was, she was all like... like <laughs> I'm going to fall all, over. Yeah. I'm going to sneeze.